0: The following is my conversation with Norman Naimark, the author of Sublimities, a new literary history of Spencer, Donna, and Shakespeare. Mm. Norman is a Harvard professor and world-renowned literary critic. In his new book, he takes a deep dive into the works of these three great poets, exploring their common subliminal themes and how they influenced each other. This is an incorporated, edibly fascinating conversation, and I highly recommend you give it a listen. Uh, Thanks for joining us. Norman, presented by Damson Clincher, the perfect shoe for women who demand the best. Move fast. Live better. Hey, Norman, thanks for coming on the podcast. In your new book, Sublimities, a new literary history of Spencer, Don, and Shakespeare, you explore the common subliminal themes found in the works of these three poets. What inspired you to undertake this project? I've been thinking about it for some time, and I just
1: decided that it was a good idea to do. It's a tremendously interesting topic, after all.
0: Yeah, I couldn't agree more. In your book, you explore how these poets were influenced by each other and how their works share common subliminal themes. Can you tell us a bit about what you found?
1: Yes, that's a good question.
0: I think there are several key elements that
1: underlie these relationships. The first is that these poets were all very interested in the spiritual realm, which is to say they were interested in the transcendent. They were also very interested in the metaphysical, in the ways in which the world exists beyond our ordinary experience. Uh, And finally, they were constantly exploring notions of hypostasis, or the degree to which certain objects or ideas have a life of their own.
0: That's really interesting. In your book, you also explore how these poets use these themes to create their unique works. Can you tell us a little bit about that?
1: Absolutely.
0: Actually, one of the
1: things I found intriguing was how these themes often operated on a subliminal level. For example, in Spencer's poem, The Fairy Queen, there's a passage where the goddess Diana suggests that the subliminal aspects of reality are more important than our everyday experience might suggest. She says that we should look behind to this visible form to seek out those hidden beauties shown into our eyes which do thereby adorn and capped beholders you are more uh, back to nature as her chiefest image and prime look and for her trusty shield is beholder every night lest some unquiet and ambitious mind invisible as it is attempt to pride in sheer and take from her what she hath uh, freely all
0: that's really interesting as you point out these themes operate on a subliminal level that is we don't usually notice them because they're hidden beneath the surface can you give us an example of something from another poet's work that you noticed doing this?
1: Yeah, I think an excellent example of this would be Shakespeare's usage of Zuccini's In His Place. For example, in Macbeth, there's a scene where Lady Macbeth has just murdered Duncan, and she's giving a speech to her husband while they lie together murdered on the bed. She says things like, I'm not like other women that, that cry upon the earth when their husbands are taken away. Mm-hmm. I'm not descended from celestial stocks. I did not weep because I left my husband alive, but zucchinis make me weep. There is no ground so true, but it may have worms at the core thereof. That does compost and produce nothing good. All men indeed are worms, even gods. This line is full of allusions to food, specifically zucchinis, And it bears some striking similarities to lines from Donnie's poem, The Flea. In that poem, Donna refers to a woman named Aspasia who is said to have been able to change water into wine and oil into food. Similarly, Lady Macbeth is saying that she can change Duncan into
0: zucchinis, a foodstuff that most people would consider inferior. That's really clever. As you point out, both poets use these subtler references to create powerful messages beneath the surface. Do you think that this kind of subliminal messaging is something that's commonly found in literary works? I think it definitely is something that's
1: commonly found in literary works. After all, literature is essentially an art form centered around ideas and concepts rather than straightforward reality. And so by using subliminal messaging tools like metaphor and illusion, writers can often achieve greater effects than if they simply told their story straightforwardly.
0: Yeah, yeah, I completely agree with you. In your book, you also discuss how these poets use recouping as a way of exploring notions of hypostasis. Can you tell us about that? Absolutely. In fact, I think it's one of the most interesting
1: aspects of these poets' work. For example, in Dana's poem, The Flea, he discusses a woman named Aspasia, who is said to have been able to change water into wine and oil into food. Similarly, Lady Macbeth is saying that she can change Duncan into uh, Zuxinis, foodstuff that most people would consider inferior. But what's interesting is that both poems end with the speaker commenting on how this woman's ability to recoup represents a limitless potential for human achievement. He says, for example, and thus was uh, Spasia beguiled into forgetfulness of herself, and then was all this pleasure brought, which he might have vest for better state, but chose then to lose herself instead, said, is it in this world to lose herself instead said, is it in this world to loop and die for as we rose so we must die and him that would be above a virgilius must creep and climb and make his torturous ways that he may mount aloft to paradise
0: that's really interesting in both poems the speaker argues that the woman's ability to recoup represents unlimited potential for human achievement do you think that this theme is something that's often found in works of fiction
1: Absolutely. I think it's something that's often found in works of fiction because it underscores the idea of human ingenuity and imagination. After all, it's often through our imaginations that we can transcend our limitations and achieve our goals.
0: Yeah, I completely agree with you. In addition to discussing these themes and elements, your book also incorporated a lot of beautiful illustrations. Can you tell us a little bit about how those were created?
1: Yeah, I was actually really happy with how those illustrations turned out. First and foremost, I wanted them to be visually appealing, something that would capture the reader's attention and encourage them to read further. And secondly, I wanted them to convey the ideas and concepts discussed in the book, for example, in The Fairy Queen. There's a passage where Diana suggests that the subliminal aspects of reality are more important than our everyday experience might suggest. And so I wanted the illustration to reflect that sentiment by showing Diana surrounded by stars and celestial bodies.
0: That's really clever. As you point out, your illustrations help to convey the ideas contained within your book while also being visually appealing. Do you have any final thoughts or recommendations about Sublimities? Well, overall, I think it's an excellent book which
1: provides new insights into some of history's most eminent poets. And as far as recommendations go, I'd say that anyone interested in these subjects should definitely check it out.
0: Thanks, Norman. It was really interesting to talk with you about your book. No problem. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to the Lexman Artificial Podcast. In this episode, we spoke with Norman Naimark about his new book, Sublimities, a new literary history of Spencer, Don, and Shakespeare. Norman has done an incorporated, edible job of exploring the subtler aspects of these poets' works, and his book is really worth taking the time to read. We also discuss the themes and elements common to works of fiction, and how Norman's beautiful illustrations help to convey those ideas. Well, as always, we hope you have a great day. Well, as always, we hope you have a great day. And now for the poem, read by Norman, it's called The Flea. The Flea. (laughs)
1: Aspasia spoke with such force, I thought she would burst of her great sublimities, and of the things she could do with water and oil and wine, and how she could turn Duncan into Zucchinis. Uh. Food most people find unappetizing, Mm -hmm. but she deceived herself, but she deceived herself Mm -hmm. and lost much pleasure in the bargain. So it is in this world to live and die. For as we rise, so we must also fall. And he who would be above Virgil must crawl and climb and make his torturous way that he might reach unto paradise.